0: What happens when the world gets turned on its head? We're forced to look inward, perhaps become fearful, sometimes lash out at others. While there are others in the world who don't give up hope because they believe in people. Join me, Kevin Tibbles and Amy Goldberg for our new podcast, Believe in People, where we meet those who don't give up hope.
1: We are all surrounded by people who we think have made it, successful people.
0: Whether they're movie stars, athletes, or entrepreneurs, they all possess their very own secret sauce for making it.
1: But what is making it, and what are the responsibilities and pitfalls?
0: Today's guest is Rabbi Yitzhi Wiener, who not only is the founder of Authority Magazine, he's also the person who tests the ingredients for making it big and seeking that perfect recipe.
2: Well, first off, Yitzi, welcome to Believe in People.
0: Thank you, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for inviting me. It's a delight to be here. Well, um, you know, in our introduction to you, we talk about how you speak with people who have found success, entrepreneurs in their own sort of way of life, and you have the magazine. I guess the first question really should be, what is success? How do you define success and uh, and how can I get it?
3: <laughs> the question you're asking is probably among the most important questions every one of us could be be asking. I think success really just means accomplishing your goal, and your your goal is subjective to to every single individual, so. A person's goal could be to win a marathon, a person's goal can be to, to write a book, a person's goal could be to, to earn a PhD, and if they achieve their goal, they're successful. The the default definition of success, you know, kind of in the miasma of society, is making a lot of money. That's like the default, but we could toggle the defaults and make it a different different definition. In uh, in so yes, yeah, so so, so answer to answer your question, success is of course subjective and it all depends on where your goals are. I think uh, success is really, really uh, synonymous with accomplishment and achieving your goals. So the our question is what are what are our goals? I think most of us most of us um have the goal of of being happy and content and leaving a legacy, living life with meaning and um making a difference, living for a purpose. I think Think uh, deep down. Think everyone would would want that. I think as, as an example, if you would ask somebody, if you can become extremely, extremely wealthy, you can become a multi-billionaire, but you're going to be a nasty person. You have a binary choice: you become a multi-billionaire, become a nasty person, nasty, selfish person, or you'll 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 have enough. You'll you'll scrape by, but you'll have a life filled with meaning, and you'll you'll be extremely kind. Most people would choose the the latter rather than the former, because we all recognize that as many pleasures as we can buy with a lot of money, it's it's nothing compared to the pleasure of 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 being good. The pleasure is there is a pleasure to be good. So 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 back to your question, I think most of us really really want ultimately want meaning, living living for purpose, living a legacy, and if that's if that's our goal, then. Then if we take steps towards achieving those goals, then we're successful.
1: And yet see, so speaking of success, what came first for you? I mean, you're a rabbi, you started, you're an entrepreneur. How would Tell explain that transition or or not even a transition, that flow?
3: Sure. Well, they say that uh the saying that a necessity is the mother of invention. So that's certainly true <laughs> in my case. So, you know, I, I never dreamed that I would. I would start a business. I always assumed that my, my career choice was going to be a teaching rabbi. I love teaching. I still love teaching. Um, I, think that, I think that I've had success in it. And uh, so that was always my career path to be, to be a teaching rabbi. But, but uh, just frankly, uh, being, while being a rabbi and teacher was very rewarding, extremely rewarding, wasn't always financially rewarding. <laughs> so I'm very blessed that I have, I have uh, seven children. And when my, my seventh child was born, Frankly, my salary just was. I knew my salary was never gonna 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 be enough to be able to to make us not struggle. So I just said, let me think of a business. Now all my siblings are entrepreneurs, and I, well, what could I do to, to <laughs> make money? So I turned you know, I turned to what I knew, which is uh, writing. I I was always a writer ever since tenth grade. Uh, my tenth grade teacher, Mr. Goldenberg, he inspired me to write. Um, so. I was able to find a way to turn writing into a career.
0: <clears throat> what have you discovered in this uh, new career of yours? I mean, obviously, the teaching and writing are, are go hand in hand in many ways. But, um, but for you, uh, through the writing, through the magazine that you... Well, tell us a little bit about the magazine, and then tell us why you find that so fulfilling. Okay. That's a great
2: question
3: so authority magazine is our purpose is to do in-depth interviews so it's in-depth with with uh, leaders in five main verticals um, social impact wellness business technology and entertainment so basically we interview leaders in those five main verticals but the common thread of of, of all of the verticals also that's one that's one important point within those five verticals we have almost 300 different Interview topics. So we talk about an you know, entire range of, of of fascinating topics, and we have we have like robust interview series around each topic. So you have about two hundred people who are interviewed around a certain topic. Each of those three hundred topics, we actually have more than hundred thousand interviews now. Um, but the common thread of all of our interview topics is how people with a large platform um, and people that have been blessed with uh, material success. How they can, how they're using their platform and how they're using their, their um, the community that they've built to make a positive difference. So I kind of, we hope to kind of put them on on the record, so to speak, to say, well, what are you doing? What what are you doing to make a difference? What are you doing to use your blessings to, to bring positivity to the world? So I found that very meaningful. I I, I have a whole file of 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 letters, of thank you letters, of feedback that people send, um, after reading or participating in an interview, and uh, we constantly hear that. That um, people are just inspired by reading our reading our, our interviews, reading our stories, and I, that's very gratifying. When we started this, um, um, I, I sought out. I always thought that a lot of news is like junk food; it's addictive, but it doesn't really fill you up, doesn't really make you satisfied. And I wanted to create um, a platform. I wanted to create a publication that would be more like Whole Food, something that would be nourishing and filling, and and uh, stay with you. That's why our our motto is: We believe the story should be beautiful to the to the heart, mind, and eyes—or eyes, mind, and heart. Um, that's great.
1: That's great. you see, and so, so you're a writer, and um, did uh, and so from writing, what happened? Was it you were writing for Thrive Global? Is is Authority Magazine attached to Thrive? And that's Arianna Huffington. So, how did how, what's that translation uh, relationship like? How did sure. that come
3: about? Actually, what happened was I was writing. Uh, my friend, this is my friend Jacob Maslow. He he invited me. when well, this is when I was a rabbi. He invited me to be writer for Huffington Post. So I was doing that for a while, and I was doing. It was on a much smaller scale, but it was basically doing what I'm doing now: interviewing people with a large platform to see how they're using their platform to make a difference. And then Huffington Post eventually closed down their their platform to everyone but but uh, who are p- paid contributors and staff writers. So that fizzled out, but then shortly afterwards, Arianne Huffington herself, she she invited me to write right for her new platform called Thrive Global. So I was, I was very blessed to do that. This is right in the beginning when when it was, you know, we were just starting it and, and she started her platform on Medium, Medium platform, which, which we use now. And that's really where we became familiar with that. So that's really how it started. Uh, so so, we, so um, in terms of our relationship with Thrive Global, It's not, it's, we're not like uh, officially connected, but we have a syndication relationship where a lot of our articles get syndicated there. Um, Hmm. So that's our relationship. We have a syndication partnership. (laughs) Um, Yes, that's that's kind of how it started with Thrive, And then, and then after doing that, I, uh, really my wife, my wife gave me that, she said, you know, really, you can start your own publication with, you have all this relationship equity. And I always found that publicists were a goldmine of, of interesting people. You know so yeah. sometimes journalists keep publicists at an arm's length but in my situation where I wanted to pursue interviews I found publicists to be the greatest possible resource. So I always had to made sure to make relationships with with publicists and I had so I had all this relationship equity with with publicists when I was from Huffington Post and Thrive Global and then and then I said, you know what, if I create a new platform I could use those relationships to start something from scratch. But, but not having to start from ground zero, but I can start from you know, grand, uh, level 100 because I already have these relationships. So, that's, hmm. so that, we've been very blessed in that, in that way. Huh. I guess at this part of the
0: conversation, I, I should ask you, when you're talking about the five levels of people who you seek out, um, why don't you give us a few, example, uh, a few examples as to who some of these people have been and why uh, why they've agreed to talk to you. Sure, sure.
3: So I want to make it clear that that um while while we have interviewed a lot of famous people, people like Shaquille O'Neal and, and Mark Cuban and uh Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google and Paris Hilton, and um Kerry Washington and and um I can I can give you really a whole list of a lot of famous people. <laughs> but, but um Really, I don't. I don't. I don't um, like worship celebrity for its own sake. For me, the the greatness of these people is that they ha- they are admired by millions and millions of people. And when when someone like Shaquille O'Neal talks about how he uses his his free time to to volunteer and make a difference and create foundations and nonprofits, that that's very inspirational for millions and millions of people. Um, so. So yeah, so that's why we've interviewed a lot of things. people. Like again, I can give you a full list if you'd like. <laughs> um, but, but I'll tell you thing, the reason why they, they agreed is because is because um, you know, I just I asked their publicists and they I guess and I'm very blessed that they enjoyed what we're doing. And actually, in many cases, publicists reach out to us, um, and so uh, yeah, they, they agreed. A lot of times, people say no, <laughs> but but uh, when they say yes, it works out.
1: And you'd see so, and that's what's so impressive about Authority Magazine. What the unique, the new, unique aspect to that is that you have uh, you allow people to have a voice, and you allow people to really um, have others get to know them from a really intimate uh, place. And so, and there's so, I mean, I cannot believe how many writers you have, or those who you're interviewing. You said thousands. I mean, wow. And so, how do you keep everything in order? I mean, how what's the system like for you?
3: behind the sure. scenes. Sure. It's an excellent question. So yeah, I think I, I've been blessed that I, I'm good at like systems. I'm good at organizing systems. Um, so I'll tell you what we do is <clears throat> we, we have we currently have about uh, 30 interviewers, 30, 30 writers. Um, I, we have nine nine paid staff members from Authority Magazine. Um, so for those 30 writers, we have, you know, almost 300 different topics. Every writer has their own designated portal. And then, so we primarily we start with email interviews. So each of the writers will will draft interview questions. Questions in, in I and mean, then we do the questions in, in what I call, we want to create questions that are story containers. You could ask a question that, you know, who's your favorite comedian? You know, and then that'll be a short answer. But if you ask a question like, tell me the story of how you grew up, you know, you know tell me a story of an interesting mistake that you made and then the lesson that you learned from it. Those those questions are are so open and they're, they. Ask the, they they um, necessitate a robust and, and thorough answer. So so basically, so we we do these interview questions that are like story containers, and then and then uh, yeah, people will answer, we send out the question people will answer them, and they upload it to the respective writer's portal. And then we want. I found that so much of so much time got wasted when people would just so be following up. Okay, when's my, my interview going to be live? When's you know you know here's the interview. Could you upload it? that was so much of my time was basically just responding to emails. And I thought if we could wait, we could wait where everything's transparent, everyone knows everyone's on the same page. So basically I found that having like a, a track, a tracking spreadsheet where everyone knows where their interview is, when will we publish, where the, where the live links are, when it gets syndicated. Um, that really, it's really helped a lot. So we have a system where every writer has their own portal and their, their own tracker where, where uh, so when you see it's live and then, then I have a team that emails, emails, all the interviews out. So, uh, in a nutshell, really, it's, it's a it's a matter of um, trying to uh, create a system where where we, we cut back on on like on, on on repetitive tasks that
2: could be could be eliminated. Um. <laughs> Let me ask you this: We're all um,
0: familiar, very familiar, with personality driven. Magazines, be it People, be it Hello, Inquirer, perhaps these sorts of things. Uh, now I'm going to ask you one of those questions, like you were just describing earlier, with regards to people opening up with uh, with more insight into themselves, and that is, what sets your magazine
2: apart from those other ones? Sure.
3: I think, I think uh, number one, um, rather than focus on one article on a a particular topic, we have um, comprehensive interview series around a topic. So let's say, you know, Peel Magazine will do an amazing job, you know, sharing, you know, maybe, you know, tips how the celebrity lost weight, maybe, you know. So, but we have, we have an entire series with maybe about 300 to 500 interviews about five things you need to know to achieve a healthy body weight and, and keep it permanently. Or let's do it for business. You know, the, the five things we need to do to prepare for the future of work. And, you know, hundreds of people, 500 people, 500 leaders will, would participate in that interview series. So they're all dealing with the same questions or similar questions. They all have entirely different answers. I think that's one difference is that so instead of just one, one article on the topic, we have an entire interview series with hundreds of people talking about it. And, and that actually creates a community. We found many times that other people, let's say you have three hundred people around a certain topic, they all they can sometimes they connect, and then they create like a, a small community. So uh, I think that's one difference. I think also um, another difference is that we tr- we try our best to make make sure all of our content is reader facing. So it's not it's not so much about not really about glamorizing the interviewee, but it's about how the interviewee can give actionable, practical advice for the reader, so the reader can go away. Not with thinking how great the interview is, but thinking, oh wow, this is good advice that I can use in my own life. <clears throat> uh, I think also another thing is that we we, you know, we we particularly we try to avoid politics because sometimes it just creates more division than 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 good. And there are other publications that do greater politics. We, fo- we try to focus on on this the white space that's that's not being addressed. So um so we try our best to to make sure it's it's wholesome and po- and upbeat and positive and not not um, not partisan. Not, and not, um. You no, know, no one's no one's being attacked or, or torn down. Just try to focus on just advice for people how they can improve the different parts of, parts of their lives and their and their, you know, yeah, their lives.
1: And you'd see from that, so is there a common denominator with the advice or not? A, is there a sort of a a um, similarity in the advice that one gives, like over the thousands and thousands of stories you've read? What what would, this say, a few of those pieces of advice be that are sort of common?
2: Yeah. One thing that's come up a lot is is uh,
3: how to deal with rejection and setbacks. And that, that's a constant thing, because that's part of the human experience, is that we're all going to, at some point, experience setbacks. So that, that's, that's a... That's like a common theme. And the common theme is that sometimes our setbacks are, can be the greatest teachers. Um, we've learned the most by our mistakes. When these are, we make a mistake and things get we get th- thrown thrown on our back, we learn the most. We learn even more from that than, from, than we do from success. Because success, we don't always know what we did to achieve success, but it's from the failure. You know, okay, so this, this doesn't work. We don't do this again. <laughs> um so <laughs> I mean I know my own experience I know my own experience when I, I made a mistake um, and I'm constantly referring back to that that experience five years five years later It's because I learned so much from you know met my so much of my what I do is the kind of my new operating system was programmed by that mistake um and you know, so what wouldn't necessarily have done that just just for looking at success, because again, there the could be a myriad of things that I've done. I'm not sure which, which part worked. Um so that's a common thing that comes up a lot. Um
2: Yeah, I think I think more are, uh, Well,
0: you're you're a rabbi. Um do you um you find that your training uh, as a man of of, of faith and also uh, a, a man who teaches, you find that that helps you in your endeavor? Do you find that uh, you, you can find things within yourself to, you know, to sort of tweak the questions that are being asked and, and to sort of perhaps reach deeper inside the person that you're speaking to?
3: I, th- I think so. So in, when, when, as a rabbi, one of the f- focuses personally, what I always focus on is is a word, you know, a Jewish word, which is midos. Midos is character. And the basic idea is that, you know, if we all of us, ultimately all the society's problems are, are manifestations of, of, of flaws in human character. And if we would each, each of us we would improve our own character, you know, polish our own heart. Uh, then we would create a collective society that's that's more refined and more polished, and ultimately more, more um, a healthier, thriving society. So I talk, So that's been my theme in all my teaching is how we can improve char- character. So it's that kind of transcends religion or belief. Just what what can we do to become better people? What can We do to um, improve improve ourselves and become more more patient, more kind, more more thoughtful, more disciplined. Um, more, more honest. Um, So, so I think those, that idea really informs, informs my questions, informs our interview questions. It's really about what can we do to improve ourselves and and improve society? Um, I think, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, I've done a lot of interviews and a lot of times people, people tell me that, that they, they, these these questions really make them think and it was the experience is like it's like therapy where they really were able to like dig down into themselves and learn about themselves and, and you know and self-reflect in a way that they haven't done before so I think I think that's a it's, a, it's an um, expression of my my training
1: I, I think so too, um, Yitzi. I really do feel that because you're 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 a people person and you're trying to and you're listening and, and getting those uh clues from others. And I'm wondering for Authority Magazine, what do you hope for? What what's your sort of the next level for you if there is one?
2: Yeah, I mean my dream would be like would be
3: that again, because we focus on interviews and, and I, I it's it could be I could be wrong about this, but it's very possible that we're we're, we're the largest repository of interviews because we only do interviews and we've done a like hundred thousand. I would like it to be like it, it, like an expected thing I so mean that everyone has a you know a profile on linkedin and and people have a, a gmail account but it comes comes a normal thing okay you have to do an interview with authority magazine, the 30 magazine to share your ideas. I would like that to be like a, a normal thing but uh, I think but, you're there.
1: you'd see I, I think you're there <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go
2: ahead.
0: I, think
1: in the shorts we, uh, the
0: church- I just wanted to say uh, each week, uh, as we draw to a close here, um, each week, uh, because our program is called Believe in People, uh, each week we ask this question of our guest. And I'm going to pricey this question with this, and that is that we live in a pretty scary, messed up kind of world right now. You can talk about everything from war, which is going on in lots of places the economy, which seems to be on the cusp, the pandemic, which we may or may not be crawling out of that hole, um, and a whole other myriad of mental challenges, physical. And yet here you are with your magazine talking to people who give their time, people who we say have made it in some way or another, financially or otherwise. There are a lot of people who have made it who aren't rich, but they've made it in here.
2: Why do you, Yitsi, still believe in people?
3: Yeah, that's a really important question. So I think that, you know, the the world is huge. The planet is huge. We have 7 million people on the planet. And when we look at the the aggregate, or, or particularly when we look at what's trending on social media and we read the news, it looks like the entire planet, looks like the, you know, the average person is miserable and, and is is in an extraordinary crisis, and that and that's true, true that a lot of people are are going through a very difficult time. That's hundred percent true. There's a lot of crises in the world, but we we don't, we don't just live on the planet. We live in we live in communities and we live in families, and when we look at our communities. We don't see these huge tr- crises. We don't see these these terrible problems. And the problems that we see, you know, what's trending on Twitter and what's trending on the news, you don't see that in, in, our, in our local community. So I think my point is that we, we feel overburdened by the entire planet's problems. It doesn't have to be our problem. For sure, we have to do our best to, to address that, but but we, you know, we, we can't let it pull us down. I think if we if we live less, if we live less online, and we live less in the news, and we. we we live within our local parochial communities and parochial families. We see p- people are much happier locally than what you see on, on Twitter. You see, you know, we, we, if you go to a community, you're part of a community. You see, people are, are, are much less, uh, much less fractious than they are online. So I think that you know we've we've replaced the real world with a digital world. And the digital world is an unhappy world, but but our local parochial communities. Um, have have less problems in, in the whole world, and and I think if we would spend more time in the real world than, than online, we would, we'd would be happier, and and we would we would see that there's a lot of good. Really, is a lot of good that that is, of course there are problems, but I think more people more people are happier than not, and more people are for more people are good than not, and and um, can you share that? I mean, these communities
0: you're speaking of, uh, are you expecting us? To share those things with other people, in 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 hopes that it grows. So I,
3: I'll give you a simple example. So you know, you know, I think human beings—we are Homo sapiens. We are we're hardwired to be gregarious, social beings. You know, if we we live in solitude, we we wither away. Solitary confinement is, is a is a extreme extreme mental pain because we're not we're we're designed to be to living in in company, um, company of others. So as an example, so say I I'm Jewish. i I go to uh I go to synagogue every week. I go to synagogue every day. i s I'm part of a community. And those are these are my friends. And I think people are happy, people people are living lives, and I don't I don't I don't feel like the world's falling apart because I have the supportive community. Uh every day I, I'm you know I'm part of a group that's that, that 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 studies and studies ethics and uh you know I'm part of a group and uh it's part of this thriving community and, and people are, you know, people are happy. people are growthful, so I think that, um, I think like, I think, I think we this is, you know, we, we, we have to really have to, I think we, we are, we're forgetting the value of being part of a group, being part of the community. Like today, You're a lot of people isolation. You're talking about you know, isolation. Yeah. I think that you know, people like their default community is maybe their gym and that's it. Maybe their work, maybe their workplace, but but those aren't always you know ideal communities. Um, I think if we could find something that you could be part of a commu- part of a group that that, make, that you find meaningful, I think that we. If you, I think that if your community is your your um, political party, it's going to feel like the world's falling apart. And again, politics <laughs> is important, but, but but that shouldn't be your only identity as, as a partisan. Yeah. Your identity could be part yeah. another community. And then then you'll see there's, there's so many things great things that are going on
1: that's well said yetzi well said thank you <laughs> thank you so much for your time we're really grateful
3: me Kevin it's really an honor to be here and thank you so much for for this one these wonderful questions and this wonderful interview. yes good luck with your venture thank you
1: thank you we so much Jesse take care the
2: pleasure man. all the best thank you. bye bye
0: you know my takeaway from this conversation is quite simple and that is that he, Yitzi, uh, lives in a community. He is expanding that community through his magazine uh, and tapping into a resource that oftentimes isn't tapped into perhaps as deeply as as his magazine is going. And at the same time, he's you know encouraging us to become a part of whatever community uh, makes us whole, as opposed to remaining isolated in our little world, because even though we live in a world of 7 billion people, like you said, it's very easy to remain isolated, and that way you
1: become fearful. Exactly. And I think, yeah, the whole point, I think the message really was loud and clear about extending your community, making it meaningful, and it doesn't have, need to be in your workplace or something that's going to be cause additional stress but to just make it joyful and something that you feel connected and that you belong to. So yeah, he really, yes, he really uh, opened uh, my eyes to his world and what he's trying to do and he's doing it very successfully. And if you've liked that episode, we encourage you to subscribe to Believe in People as we believe in you. Thanks for joining us. And
0: become a part of our world.
1: (laughs) Thanks.